Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Today we are going to be discussing CIC issue number 122. You can find that at the website CICMinistry.org, and the title is The Gospel as the True Armor of God, Deliverance from Demons as Transfer of Dominion. So to start with, can we just define some terms here? What are we talking about transfer of dominion? Okay, well, that was covered in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, Acts 26, 18. Um, let me just quote Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Okay. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So having been removed from the domain of darkness, we're not under that spiritual domain. So it's about going from one spiritual domain into a different one. Okay. Okay. And the different one is that of Christ. Okay. So really all people are in one of two domains. Right. Let me uh, also, at the beginning of the article, I said another verse. I preached on this recently because I've been preaching about the armor of God in our church. 1 John 5, 18 and 19. It says, we know that no one who is born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So there's okay. a distinction, okay? Okay. There's those of us who are of God and those who are in the power of the evil one. Only two right. possibilities. Yeah, we either of God or we lie in the power of the evil one. Now, the way that we go from being under the evil one, which the whole world is in its sinful rebellion, to being under Christ is through believing the gospel, being born of God, and we call that conversion. Right. And so this happens at one time at conversion and there's no going back. Right. Other than the Judases of the world. Right. They, they were with us, but they were not really of us. But once we're converted, we're not going back anymore than to illustrate Israel coming out of Egypt. Paul used that as an illustration in first Corinthians chapter 10, when they came through the sea, following God in his theophany with Moses, and got on the other side. The Egyptian army thought they'd come through too, but they drowned in the sea. Right. Okay. And then so the sea the was closed. There was no going back. Right. I tell people, forget about backsliding. God doesn't open the Red Sea so you can go back to Egypt. Right. Now, later in the wilderness wanderings, they started committing apostasy. And there's some people uh, wanted to raise up leaders to take them back to Egypt, but that didn't turn out so well. Right. So now there again, the God of, intervened. Right. And so God intervened. We're in the domain of Christ. So the first, let me quote the first sentence 
of this article, CIC issue 122. Okay. It is not where demons are in relationship to us. It's where we are in relationship to Christ. That is the worldview of the biblical writers. Right. And all of these deliverance ministers get that wrong every time. They're wanting to know who the demons are specifically many times and where they are. Right. Who they are, where they are. You got to figure that out. Okay. Now, sometimes they say, well, they're in the Christian or they're attached to the Christian or they're oppressing the Christian. But to get them out, you have to find out certain facts. Okay. And we're disputing that. And I've talked about this in many different articles. But the fact is that God removes the entire person from the domain of Satan. So that's why I say what I do. It's not where the demons are. They're unseen to us. Are they in the room? Are they over here? Are they over there? Well, the whole world is under Satan. Right. And we're still in the world, but not of it. Right. We but where, a, the, where the demons are is not even relevant to us once we're in the dominion of Christ. No. But see, there's people that get wrong ideas based on misinterpretation of the armor of God passage in Ephesians 6, which is why I wrote this article back in 2012. And now in, uh, in this last, now we just spelled into 2021, but I've been preaching on that in our church through the whole armor of God. And how they get it wrong is this way. Because it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the endless spiritual powers of darkness. Okay? Okay. So the wrestle metaphor causes people sometimes to misunderstand it and think, well, if we're going to wrestle with a demon, we better know where the demon is and what his name is and what gave him access so we can figure out how to get him out. Okay. Is that what Paul's talking about when he says wrestle with? In fact, the list of these hierarchy tells us that there is a domain of Satan and it does have various beings in it. Okay. And they are trying to attack Christians. That's absolutely true. Right. We want to know what the attack is about and what it means to stand firm, even when attacked. Okay. So that's what this article is about. And now that I, years later, I'm preaching through that and really digging into the Greek, I look back and I, I can say, I feel good about what I wrote back in 2012. I, the research was well done back then. The real issue, just to get us focused. Okay. The real issue is stand. In the longer section, Ephesians 6, the word stand, the Greek is histemi, and then once it's used with a prefix intensitive, it is to stand firm, to stand. And as mentioned several times. And just before the pieces of armor are laid out, Paul uses stand in an imperative in the Greek. Okay. Stand. That's what Paul's saying. Maybe let's read that. 
Okay, go ahead. Because it's what I have handy, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It's okay. Typically, we would use the NASB. So here we are, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For do we, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Right. Yeah, withstand is really that same word in the Greek again. Okay. Because here's four times. And then, so the armor of God then is a list of things that I prove in this article are all gospel truths. All right. Right. So stand, stand, stand. Now, Christians have read this and some teachers have read this and assume that because he lists these spiritual hosts in, of, in the heavenlies, that we got to figure out what they are, where they are, who they are, so we can do this battle. Right. And they take Paul's analogy to places he's not taking it. Okay. And they actually become very much like the pagans, unwittingly so. I don't think they intend to become pagans. God knows the heart. But they end up becoming like the pagans. Okay. And Clinton Arnold has done some good work about this. But there's a problem with this book that I'm citing in this article because he misses some things that kind of opens the door to these false teachers. Okay. What he gets right is his understanding of what can be known about the religious environment of the ancient Near East, where Ephesus and, and Colossae were. Okay. So that's why these things are talked about in Ephesians and Colossians, and also in Acts, as Paul went through that part of the world. They had many deities. Artemis was a key one in Ephesus, and they had people that were practitioners, shamans, who were supposedly experts about how to deal with these beings, and they believed that these beings control their fate. Okay. There's a lot about fate in these ancient Near East religions. And Paul did speak in synagogues, and there were Jews there too. But sadly, at that era of history, some of the Jews were Hellenized, and they too were concerned about demons and bad fate. Okay. We see that in Acts with these Jewish exorcists. In fact, they had their own version of exorcism that was very much magical. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, and I'll get to that. I don't know if this time in one of our episodes here, I'll, I'll quote from Josephus about how they did it. So both the Jews and the pagans were concerned about the gods and the demigods and these spiritual beings, and they were worried about bad fate. Okay. And they believed that their well-being was dependent on somehow placating or dealing with the gods. Okay. Now, because there was this world of the spirits and then the humans, 
And they didn't have, uh, as far as the pagans are concerned, the word of God to clearly teach them the truth. And the Jews had delved into some of the pagan things in some cases. And so then they were in trouble too. There developed a class of people who made a lot of money mediating between the two things, between the realm of the spirits and the people. Okay. And we call these shamans. Right. Now to this very day, now we're making this podcast and video in 2021. These shamans exist all over the world. They Yes, they sure do. Yeah, and the, all of the religions have them. And these people are supposedly, you can call them gurus or witch doctors. And sadly, Christians have them too. They call them deliverance counselors. Right. Okay, but they're doing essentially the same thing, trying to get rid of bad fate or bad outcomes by dealing with the world of the spirits, which is seen as the cause of the bad fate. Okay. Now, that's very much the world of Ephesus. Yeah. And we can see that in Acts. You can see, uh, and I talk about this in my article, where they, they sold their magical scrolls and books that were worth 50,000 pieces of silver. If you could figure out what to say. So they have uncovered in archaeology some of the religious material, and they're filled with incantations. Okay. Okay. So they would say these things, and they would appeal to the gods and goddesses to somehow avert their bad fate and look favorably upon them. And they believe that they said certain things a certain way, or as in, in Colossians, and I, when I preached through Colossians, I covered some of this, there were religious practices where they went through purgation, uh, rituals, fasting, and they had to prepare themselves. And then they went through, so they, they found some of these temples and places where they'd go in and they were arranged so light would come through a hole. And once they'd gone through all the initiation rites, they'd come in there and the light would come in and supposedly they got rid of their bad fate. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not making this up. This, yeah. this, I've researched this for some decades. So since the nineties, so I can tell you about it. Now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, why tell you all of this? I want you to see how simple the Bible is. Right. They, what really bugs me is when Christians take the Bible and try to turn it into all of that. Right. We don't need the practices of the world. We've no, been saved they, out of the world. They, yeah, that's why a couple of times ago in our broadcast, I showed you this checklist as D.L. Anderson has. We're doing the same thing. Yeah. We don't have to go through some big, long process to get rid of bad faith. Right. Because Paul is saying something very specific. Okay. And what he's saying is this. Stand. Right. Do Stand not be where? moved. Stand. Stand in Christ. Stand in Christ. Okay. Having done all, which is laid out earlier in Ephesians, by faith we're saved, you know. By grace, we're mm -hmm. saved through faith. 
It's the work of God. We believe God's promises. We know that we're safe. We're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. By the way, that's been misused as well. But seated with Christ mainly, mainly tells us where we learn in 1 John 5, 18 and 19, we're with him. We're not under the hostile powers. Okay. And that doesn't mean as we're seated with Christ, we're going to do his job for him and tell the hostile powers what to do. Right. I preached on that recently, too. Yeah, uh, it's not for us to interact with the spirit world at all. No, because we're blind. We don't. We can't see them. Yep. God is not sending us somewhere into a realm that we can't see and we don't know to function in that realm and make things happen. Right. That would. He, he's would, called would, us would, out of that realm. Right. So we get beat up every time because they know what they're doing. Yeah. They've been in that realm for thousands and thousands of years. They're fallen beings. They seek to harm us, and they like the attention. Right. They don't mind. These beings don't mind if we spend all day rebuking them. Okay. Okay. Why? Because then we're not standing. Right. Then we're not exactly. believing the promises of God. So I'm looking here. I have the New American Standard Bible, and I'm looking at the armor of God here. So maybe this would be a good time to just read through that, okay? Okay. Just to read the part coming up to it. So starting with verse 14, Ephesians 6, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, we have a series of sermons ggf.church, just look for Ephesians and go to chapter 6, and you'll have the series that, uh, that I preached on the armor of God. Okay. Back this next Sunday, I'm preaching on the last part of that, armor of God. So by the time anybody hears this, it'll be on our website. Okay? Okay. So Paul is citing and alluding to a lot of Old Testament material, as the New American Standard makes clear. So you have the truth, righteousness, the readiness of the gospel of peace, okay? Shield of faith, which you use, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the helmet of salvation, again, allusion to Isaiah, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So there's your, there's your pieces of armor. None of those things, okay, none of them require secret knowledge about the world of the spirits. Right. Okay. Now, as far as the wrestling metaphor, when I was preaching on that, I, I did a bunch of research and read some scholars that uncovered material from the Roman Empire at that time, which okay. was, Ephesus was a part of. The whole point of wrestling was to stand and not let your opponent knock you off your feet. Okay, right. The way you lost was when you got knocked off your feet. Okay. Okay, so stand is very vivid. It's in the imperative. Stand firm. And so as you stand, if you think of these things, truth, the gospel, faith, the word of God, salvation, righteousness. These are all things 
that are true because of what God has done for us that we have in Christ. Yeah. Standing, as I preached recently, doesn't mean going out and taking territory uh, in some kind of geographical sense. Right. It doesn't mean going on a prayer march around the city, as some have done, mm -hmm. and calling down the, uh, the spirits over the city or rebuking them or claiming the city for God. Because how God takes territory, the whole world is his. Right yeah. now, he allows, during this era, the world to stay under the domain of Satan. Okay. And during the tribulation, it'll be even worse. Right. Okay. But how we take territory, and that's not the right word, is by preaching the gospel. And when people believe it, they're removed from the domain of Satan altogether. Right. And it doesn't matter where geographically they are on the planet. Okay. Yeah. They could be in Iceland. They could be in Brazil. They could be in China. They could be mm -hmm. in Israel. They could be in America. They could be anywhere. Okay. Because the word of God through the gospel will save those who believe whoever they are and wherever they are. Okay. Right. Once saved, they're transferred from the domain of Satan to Christ. They're still living in the same world as everybody else. Right. Some and it doesn't matter if that's China or Russia or the United States or Canada or where it is. Right. So you can march around all you want. You're not going to change the fact that the world's the world. Right. And that is so erroneous. And I remember when these prayer walks were happening back in the 70s. I some of our readers have told me they're still going on. Well, there was just the big Jericho march in Washington, D.C. like two weeks ago. Okay. So uh, it's just a, a lack of understanding of the kingdom of God. Jesus right. said his kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. Okay. The sword of the spirit isn't a literal sword that you take and defeat some other nation's army and force them to become Christian whether they want to or not. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Yes. It's defined for us in Ephesians. Mm -hmm. So if we take these things for what they are, gospel truths, then this article is written to point that out. The gospel is the armor of God. Yeah. And all of these things that we have, righteousness, salvation, faith, truth, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and so forth. It's all things that are true because of the gospel. Amen. And there are things that will help us stand. Oh, yeah. Believe the promises of God. Participate in a means of grace by faith. Trust Christ. And really, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It does two things. Besides the part of gospel preaching, which is the only way territory is taken, and that territory is actually people transferred out of the realm of Satan. Right. Okay, the, the geographical globe is all kind of in the same state. 
Yes. Some are better than others. Frankly, yeah, some nations have way better situation than others. Some are very oppressive and abusive and really, really pagan and wicked. And some are not as bad, but none of them are the kingdom of God. Right. And Christianity has penetrated any any uh, place that Satan has ever influenced, which is the whole world. So you can be saved if you come to Christ. And that's why I think it's important. And you and I had discussed this quite a while ago. I was asking you, okay, what's the difference between domain and territory? And I think we should actually address that right now because it really cleared up in my mind. Ter- territory apply uh, kind of implies a geographical location. This it's not about territory. It's about domain. Which kingdom are we in? And it's not an earthly kingdom. It's a spiritual one. Well, see, people are confused, and there's a reason why. Church history is littered with false teaching about this. Yes. The holy wars of the Middle Ages were about territory. Right. And it was assumed that you could create Christendom. People are still teaching that. Yeah. I need to write a book to refute that idea, but... Christendom is part of history, but it's not the Great Commission. Okay. Christendom is assuming you can create this geopolitical religious situation that has boundaries and people within that are Christian in a sense that they're part of Christendom. Right. So you baptize your babies, you catechize them, and you try to get your people in leadership in the civil government, and we're going to have Christendom. Basically oh. the whole post-millennial package. Right. But I will argue vehemently that that is not biblical, not taught by Christ and his apostles, and not known in the Bible. It's okay. based on false replacement theology that claims that the church is Israel and that the Great Commission is analogous to Israel taking over Canaan and going into the promised land. Right. And a lot of the books on spiritual warfare use that same analogy. Okay. But Ephesians isn't teaching this. The armor of God isn't so that we can be soldiers in Christ's army to go defeat all the pagans and force them to obey Christ whether they like it or not. Right. That's not what it's saying. Dear ones, Do you really believe that anybody will become righteousness and will have the righteousness of Christ and will be saved, will have the helmet of salvation, and will know the truth, and um, will have faith and the shield of faith? Well, all these things are going to be true for people because they were conquered by Christians and forced to join a church whether they wanted to or not? No. How could you believe that? It doesn't work that way. No. It can't, it's not even feasible. And that's why we're so against infant baptism. Because it gives right. the false idea that Christianity is uh, spread through natural generation rather than supernatural regeneration. Right. The old man is still dead, even if you sprinkle water on him. He's <laughs> just yes. too. You were dead. Yeah. Going from dead to alive happens through faith in the gospel, not through being born into a Christian family or in a nation that calls itself Christendom. 
There was a hundred year war. Then there was a 30 year war, all of trying to establish Christian nations of one sort or another under different version of Christian. And a lot of the people directing the war weren't really born of God themselves. Yeah. So please listen, this is essential. Get the idea of Christendom right out of your head. Okay. It's not biblical. Right. Nowhere did Paul say, when he got called before leaders, I've come to turn Ephesus into part of Christendom. No, he sure didn't. No, he, he testified about Christ and the gospel. Yeah. All of this comes from replacement theology, assuming the church is the new Israel, and Israel was called to go to war, and Israel was to have a kingdom with geographical territories, and they've replaced Israel with the church, and they've removed the real millennium with Christ reigning from Jerusalem with a fake millennium with Christians reigning on fallen nations in time and space now. Right. I'm telling you, And dear, it just detracts from the gospel. That's all a big lie. And more people believe that than believe what I'm teaching. Yeah. And I would just say, if I'm wrong, prove to me how I'm misinterpreting Ephesians here. Let's okay. get it focused. Right. Okay, you can be mad, say, well, I don't like that, Bob. I don't like what he teaches. He doesn't understand whatever, Calvin or, or the Pope or whoever created their Christendom. Mm -hmm. but I'd say, okay, that's church history. That's part of providence. Providence contains good and evil. Look at the text right in front of us. We're in Ephesians 6. We're looking at spiritual warfare as defined by Christ, Christ's apostle, Paul. He had others, but this is who wrote Ephesians. And I'm telling you that being transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God is a spiritual transfer. It doesn't involve literal armies defeating humans and taking literal territory and setting up Christians in charge of it. Right. Really, it says stand, not charge. This is a defensive I, position. I See, the wrestling metaphor was about standing. Yeah. And not getting knocked off your feet. The imperative stand from the Greek word histomy in the mm -hmm. imperative means to uh, stay put where you are. And the only thing that you could look at as being offensive would be the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is preaching the gospel to the lost, which is what Paul did when he went through these territories. He preached in the synagogues and ultimately to civil, civil leaders. And so I'm willing, I de did debate somebody about this publicly one time. Okay. And uh, an amillennialist who says that Christ will never reign from Jerusalem, literally. And uh, he was, I don't think he was a post-millennialist. But the fact is, the kingdom now is Christ reigning from the right hand of God. And the growth of the kingdom are persons being redeemed by the blood of Christ, transferred, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. Yep. That's our calling. 
we're standing in the gospel. Uh, let me just quote a, a, a sentence or two here from the article, CIC issue 122. Those in Christ need to stand in the gospel as they preach the gospel and pray for others who do. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you, you can access this program and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. And we also want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. Bob DeWay. And we'll see you next week.